Pearson, the world's education company, and their renowned authors are bringing engaging and informative sessions to educators on the topics of politics, government, and the 2020 presidential election in a new webinar series. Save your seat by registering at go.pearson.com slash election series. Hello, and welcome to The Key with IHE. I'm Paul Fain, the host of this podcast, and a contributing editor with Inside Higher Ed. Today is the day after the election, and I don't need to tell you that these are uncertain times. A growing body of evidence shows that anxiety about the pandemic, the economy, racism, and much more is a primary challenge for college students, particularly the most vulnerable. To get a better sense of how students are feeling, I spoke with Livia and Julia Morris, recent UC Davis grads who conducted a qualitative survey of college students around the country in July to hear how they were faring, including about what comes after college. Here's Livia. This feeling that pre-coronavirus they could maybe go to their professors or advisors, get some advice on how to apply their degrees, you know, even if it might not have been the most up-to-date advice. That traditional expertise on campus no longer really suffices because no one knows what what industries are going to collapse, which ones are going to emerge, you know, which ones are going to be restructured. And there's a lot of frustration, you know, about this lack of contemporary guidance and this feeling of how can anyone help me if no one knows what's going on? I also spoke with Kai Dreckmeyer, the founder and chief development officer at Inside Track, which offers students coaching and other supports. Inside Track has seen increasing student demand for crisis support in recent years, and the pandemic is only increasing that need. Uh, we're finding with most students, this is really about trauma-informed communication. If they are reaching out or we have some sense that they need more than the normal, this is really about asking, you know, what's important to you right now? Um, how is this affecting you? What would be the most helpful thing for us to focus on today? Let's get to the conversation. All right, so we're live. I'm speaking with Livia and Julia Morris. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm doing good. Thank you for having us on. Sorry, that was not the same person who said that twice. We've got right. to find a way to distinguish our voices. <laughs> well, you know, I'll, I'll do uh, some Livia and Julia call outs here, but let's actually start with Livia. Can you talk a little bit about how you came to do this survey, what, what you were trying to accomplish with it? Yeah, well, it actually originally started as a survey, a much smaller survey that was going to be done in support of a project proposal uh, for a project that we both run at UC Davis. But when it started to look like that project, you know, had to be tabled because of the pandemic, uh, I kind of just decided on a whim, why don't we keep the survey going and expand it to all sorts of different universities, not just UC Davis, see what happens. And I got more responses than I was anticipating, and it kind of just snowballed from there. Anything you want to add, Julia, to what you all were trying to accomplish with this? We do a speaker series on campus uh, about the future of work, pairing academics and non-academic professionals to discuss the future of their future of their fields from different perspectives. So we were thinking of how to continue that project uh, into. 2020, 2021 onward. And that's why we did the survey to do a needs assessment for UC Davis students. Gotcha. So uh, as we've reported, uh, a growing body of national polling data shows 
that anxiety and uncertainty are dominating college students' feelings for good reason. And in some cases, may even be the, the top issue, even more than finances or other barriers. Sounds like that gels with what you all found. Absolutely. I mean, I think before this pandemic, there was already sort of this void and up-to-date actionable career advice for students, you know, really modern career advice and, and infrastructure to distribute that information. Uh, you know, universities struggling to keep up with this rapidly evolving landscape of work. And it's even worse now when you throw a global pandemic into the mix and, you know, students were expressing in their responses uh, how this feeling that pre-coronavirus they could maybe go to their professors or advisors to get some advice on how to apply their degrees, you know, even if it might not have been the most up-to-date advice, that traditional expertise on campus no longer really suffices because no one knows what, what industries are going to collapse, which ones are going to emerge, you know, which ones are going to be restructured. And there's a lot of frustration, you know, about this lack of contemporary guidance and this feeling of how can anyone help me if no one knows what's going on. And is that frustration, and I guess aimed at colleges themselves? I mean, I, I do have some empathy that, as you say, nobody really knows what's going to happen, uh, you know, in the next six months. But it, it sounds like colleges, I mean, like everything in the pandemic, maybe weren't doing a good enough job writ large on this even before. And now that problem is even worse. Oh, yeah. I do think that the pandemic is just exacerbating existing problems within higher education. And a lot of students did express a profound longing for the university, um, their professors, but especially the administration, to be more flexible, even though it might feel uncomfortable to implement new policies. Let's see, there is actually one quote from the article itself that kind of sums that up. One student said, most of the people working there have no idea what the youth is confronted with these days. They think Happy by Pharrell Williams is the ultimate friendship song and they don't know how to put their Facebook profiles as private. What kind of career advice should I expect from those people? Yes, I know, very harsh. Oh. I imagine that was not the only one like that. No, not quite. And can you talk about, you know, you, you talked to, I, I gather, students at a pretty broad range of institutions. Um, did you do regional publics, community colleges as well? Not really community college. Um, majority of the responses ended up coming from, from Midwestern schools, actually. Uh, a lot of state colleges. Uh, we did not have uh, representation, really, from the Ivy Leagues. Uh, it was mostly schools like, you know, University of Kentucky, UC Riverside, uh, University of Nevada, Reno, you know, all across the country. Uh, but not community college, mostly undergraduate students, small number of graduate students, uh, but primarily undergraduate. So in terms of the anxiety about completing the semester or, you know, how to deal with the virtual experience, I mean, I get for sure the what happens after college anxiety, but did you get much about how to kind of keep track in this bizarre time? Keep on track, I should say. I think, you know, one thing is that a lot of students reported feeling quite lonely and how these feelings of loneliness, you know, they felt that it was impeding them from being as academically 
engaged as they need to be. Uh, there's also this pressure, of course, to have the right college experience, and particularly for those lower division students, they reported feeling that the coronavirus has caused those traditional opportunities for growth and socialization to kind of just evaporate. Uh, do you have anything to add, Julia? Yeah, I'd say that for recent graduates in particular, it's this strange dichotomy between officially graduating and earning your freedom in the sense that you're free from the relative rigidity of an academic institution and having this new realm of freedom and opportunity that's simultaneously constrained by the pandemic and all of the restrictions that it's imposing and how to deal with that, to deal with that disconnect. Yeah, and the rigidity, you know, that the students that are still pursuing their degrees are also feeling. A lot of students were talking about how they were adding majors, dropping majors, adding minors, dropping minors. Should I double major? You know, one student even said that they were dropping out of their four-year institution and transferring to community college altogether uh, because they don't want to deal with the stressors of a four-year program given all this uncertainty. Yeah, I think overall a lot of students just wish for their universities to fully embrace that this isn't a time of normality and for administration to be more willing to take risks and try new engagements. So the idea of accepting that this isn't gonna go back to normal in any short amount of time, so let's just push into it and try to make the current moment more tolerable. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would say that there was also another thing that I noticed, um, there were a lot of responses that were punctuated by really strong emotions regarding national politics that definitely put people uh, in a much worse mood. You know, some students were using the survey as an opportunity to not just vent about their frustrations with their university, but their frustrations with the country as a whole, the upcoming election, you know, what the, this current administration has done to provide relief for individuals and families who are economically insecure now because of the coronavirus. So lots and lots of you know, responses that we're referencing, the economy, healthcare, civil rights, corporations, what does this all mean? Is anything gonna change? I feel like, what am I, you know, what am I doing here? Everything is basically <laughs> going to shit a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so thinking ahead 10 years, you know, what kind of country is this generation of college students going to inherit? And what are the long-term ramifications of the pandemic going to be? I do think it's a lot to think about and it's breeding feelings of apathy uh, amongst students when it comes to getting through the slog of homework and exams and assignments that it can at times feel very detached from the world that exists outside the confines of the university. That's really interesting. You know, I we had seen a series of polls in the last few years of declining uh, faith in higher ed, more skepticism about its value, but it also gelled with the overall distrust of institutions. And, you know, when you, when you brought up the politics piece, I was thinking about that. I mean, it kind of feels like it's all, it's all intertwined, doesn't it? That this, this overall sense of what is going on? Things are going to shit. Your university is is part of, I guess, that overall anxiety of, of society in the world, it sounds like. 
Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, online learning coupled with quarantine has created some distance between students and the university. And a lot of our respondents recounted how that space has given them a time to reflect a little bit more deeply on their education. So what is the value of a university education altogether? What is it that I need to get out of my time in college? And what are my non-negotiables? Is my major actually a good fit for me? And then the big one, uh, is my university truly preparing me for the future? That kind of reflection is understandably sparking a lot of frustration and confusion. The last one is, you know, particularly important. You mentioned that there's been this breakdown of faith, you know, in higher education. I've seen that myself personally, just among my own friends. It kind of feels at times like one of the one of the major, you know, driving forces behind why people go to college is to basically alleviate their insecurity about whether they're, you know, worthy to get a good job. And so many students, so many students in this survey were expressing feelings of insecurity, that they don't feel like they're ready to start a new year of college, that they don't feel, you know, ready to continue with their studies, maybe if they're moving to, you know, upper division classes, if they're recent graduates, that they don't feel ready to launch professionally, that they don't have enough internships, their resume isn't padded enough, that they're basically, you know, this feeling of, I'm not good enough, I already felt like my majors or minors weren't really practical. You know, practical. Now those yeah. feelings are 10 times worse. So really, really strong feelings of insecurity. What do you think's driving that? I mean, I, I get it. it it's just so much uncertainty that it would make you wobble a little bit. But to me, it feels like your, your personal merit it surprises me a little bit to hear that. I mean, I, I can see why you'd look externally and say, what is going on? And I don't necessarily want to keep doing this when I don't know what I'm working toward, but why that would make folks feel more insecure about their, their place. I'm, I'm a little fuzzier on. Do you have any thoughts about that? I mean, I do think that students put a lot of pressure on themselves to make all the right moves. You can compare yourselves to your peers on LinkedIn, on social media, and although the university tells you that it's okay to make mistakes and change your mind, I mean, the mainstream media says that as well. You see it in movies, TV, books, etc. That doesn't mean that students don't struggle to internalize that message. And it is really difficult to let go of the fear that online learning and social isolation is going to result in major setbacks and that those lost opportunities will be irredeemable. So I think that that's partly what's driving it. Yeah, and then of course, you know, there's all the issues of uh, wage wage inflation, you know, not keeping up, and that's a whole other separate issue that's that was always there, and it's it's just being exacerbated. Like you said, you know, Julia earlier, that it's more so that you know it feels like this pandemic is taking feelings that were already there, and it's just amplifying them. I mean, I'll say that I was reading an article recently um, where the professor was talking about how, you know, technology, social media, et cetera, has how a lack of uninterrupted introspection increases anxiety among young people. And I think that with, I mean, when things are, you know, business as usual, everything is so fast paced that you don't have the time to stop and think that creates anxiety. Um, and this is no different, even though classes are online. Students are feeling busier than ever 
and just overwhelmed. I get that. Thank you for indulging that. You know, um, that, that resonated. I, I know all of us have interruptions are, are the, the norm these days. Uninterrupted time is hard to find. Can we talk just a minute about the loneliness piece and, and what you heard there? I mean, uh, Livia, you mentioned that, and that we're hearing that in all the national polling too, that this kind of isolation has been incredibly difficult for students. Yeah, it's isolation, sort of mourning the college experience. For some students, you know, some students didn't care. There were students in the survey who were very frank about, I don't really mind switching to an online format. I actually prefer it. But I would say that probably the majority were expressing sadness of, I can't go to the library to study with my friends. I can't go to the gym. You know, I can't, uh, I can't really do much of anything anymore is what it feels like. And how is that going to, you know, affect my college experience as a whole? A lot of students also mention that being on campus surrounded by their peers, it creates this sense of accountability. Oh, yeah. Your friends, your study groups can help keep you on track. And now that you're alone, many students back at home with their parents and you regress a little bit into old patterns from high school. Especially if your home environment is a really, you know, conducive yeah, to online learning. If it's dysfunctional that they feel like they're kind of just left in the deep end and they're drowning a little bit. That all makes sense. So looking forward, colleges are, are going to be in a moment uh, like this for a while. We know now um, things aren't going to go back to normal for a while. As they try to figure out how to do better, any, any trends that you heard that would really help college administrators think about how to help students feel less anxious and, and, and deal with the uncertainty they're, they're dealing with? We have a section where we collect- You said college administrators. Yeah, or college leaders, but you know, really anyone who cares about higher ed. I mean, given what you've heard, what are some of the, the key things they should think about to try to do better? Yeah, well, we actually did have a section in our survey called what the university can do to help, where we asked students to list some of the career and internship related services or resources that they wish the university would provide to them. Let's see. Some students uh, conveyed anger that they feel towards their universities for limiting their on-campus work hours without supplementing for lost income. A couple students suggested that because the economy is so bad, the university should in a sense, be providing students with on-campus internships, even if they aren't paid. You know, if jobs, if the number of available jobs are going down, then the university should create more positions, even if it's just expanding research opportunities to give as many students as possible something to put on their resume or some channel to get experience. Looking for a better coordinated university response was also communicated by several students that they wish that there was some uniformity between universities on what are the requirements to graduate now that we have to take the pandemic into consideration, being a little bit more lax on general ed requirements. For those who are looking to apply to graduate school, the desire for universities to drop the GRE or for there to be some kind of consensus on what you need to be considered eligible to apply in this cycle. I mean, I would say that, you know, if university administration leadership is 
looking to quell some of their anxieties. I mean, if I were in their position, what I would do is I would honestly try to collect as much data from students themselves because rather than trying to extrapolate, you know, what might students want from national polls and what you hear through the grapevine, I think it's always better to just go to the students directly, give them an opportunity. Anonymously, you know, has its advantages because students tend to be more honest and upfront, even if they can be a little mean too. And just ask <laughs> students to be honest and upfront about what do you want? How are you feeling? What can the university do to help? And take that data seriously. And I think that getting students involved in data collection is important as well. Oh yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, I do think that students were more open to this survey because we were very honest about the fact that we were recent college grads. So it did feel like it was a communication with right. one of your peers rather than some faceless entity that is the university administration. I did put one SpongeBob meme at the end. I feel like that also helped. Oh, yeah, that a lot. definitely helped. <laughs> <laughs> well, to that end, thank you for helping me. Uh, better understand what students are thinking and it's an important contribution you both have made and I am uh, I hope you, you'll keep you keep doing it in some form or other um, because the need is there so thanks for your time as well well thank you so much thanks I appreciate that if you're looking to go even more in depth in IHE's news coverage check out our special reports these deep dives feature rich data and reporting as well as thoughtful, substantive analysis you can trust. Visit insidehighered.com backslash special dash reports to view the topics we've covered and to purchase the report that best supports your area of work or study. Uh, speaking with Kai Dreckmeyer. How you doing, Kai? Uh, very well. Thank you very much for having me on. Well, thanks for making time for me and our listeners. You know, I've, I've followed the inside track model uh, for a pretty long time now. But I gather you all are, are doing more than you did a few years ago and in different ways. And I'm curious what that is and, and how this crisis has helped shape what you do as well. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, as you know, <clears throat> our coaching model is, is generally focused on helping all students uh, improve their well-being and outcomes and, and really uh, be the best students that they can be and address issues that come up. More than 10 years ago, we realize that when you're doing that, certain challenges some students are having are surfaced. And we had a need for kind of a, a backup crisis support uh, service. So we started developing that and, and for multiple reasons, but we certainly wanna make sure if a student is having some more acute challenges that we bring the right resources to that. Uh, so that's become a bigger and bigger part of our work. And while, higher education, well, students, it's not a homogeneous bunch, as you know, there's huge variance and particularly on income. And so what well, we're seeing students across the board need support, those low income students over the last several years um, have, we've just seen a much greater need in terms of mental health support, crisis support in general. And this precedes the pandemic, by the way, an increase in housing insecurity, food insecurity, all of these issues. But under the pandemic, um, or, or really since April, we have seen really um, almost a tripling, more, more than doubling of the, of the number of cases we're addressing uh, annually uh, than the prior year. 
in terms of just the basic model and how it works, I know there's a lot to it, but can you kind of blend the mental health crisis work in any way with academic advising and helping people keep on track academically, or, or are they really pretty separate pieces? Um, they really do go together. I think for any type of student support, we have found that the key thing is to be proactive, to provide assistance to students early and even before they run into trouble, uh, because you can, number one, encourage better help-seeking behavior so that they realize that it's normalized, it's okay to reach out. And if someone reaches out to me, this is a good chance for a conversation. Once you have some relationship with an adult or several adults on campus or associated with the institution, students are much more likely to talk about what's going on. So I think right there, you're starting to surface things. There is an element of, of if a matter becomes uh, more of a serious situation, you really need to obviously protect the student first and foremost, but also the staff member and the institution. So that's when it's important to bring in a second professional often. One thing that has changed a little bit is that we're finding that institutions have embraced this. I, I would say the role community colleges and how they see themselves has changed over the last several years. They're not just academic institutions, but they are centers of social support and for their students because it is such a high need population. So we now are providing crisis support services in the form of what we call emergency coaching on its own. And in, fa and in fact, um, you may know this, but we, we became nonprofit earlier this year. That's our new status. And that's allowed us to pursue grant funding uh, with much greater ease. And currently we have a grant from uh, the ECMC Foundation um, and Strata to provide emergency coaching to more than to roughly 5,000 students. So that is now kind of more of a referral service, a little different than the proactive piece, but we're finding pretty interesting levels of uptake on that and, and use and utilization. And so related to this, we're, we're surveying former Cal Grant students, Cal Grant recipients in California for a separate project. Uh, to, to populate an RCT we're, we're getting ready to do. So we've done, we've gotten 3,000 responses. Of that, I just was looking at the data, I was shocked to see for the students who said, hey, here's why I struggled or why I dropped out, uh, almost 60% cited mental health. Even more than that cited finances, but also employment and, and uh, you know, other issues they're dealing with. You know, I, I also have seen the philanthropic support moving into some of this work. Obviously, the California Community College has got that major gift, $100 million to, to do some emergency aid for students. So, you know, encouraging that it seems like the funder world knows you can make a difference here. And, and, and you know, for Inside Track to be able to kind of scale up for community colleges, I can see the benefit there. You mentioned community college's role. It's a huge role. <laughs> you know, and, and I think most of them would say, we wish we could do more in, in helping students stabilize their lives and communities. Are there limitations, I mean, to, to what's possible in terms of working with students about anxiety right now? I mean, I, we've seen the numbers and it makes sense to me that that would be a primary barrier to continued enrollment. But, you know, I, I do wonder sometimes as your coaches are out there, like, how do you assuage some of this anxiety that is just it's so big, it's about so much. Uh, really good question. Um, 
I have honestly been surprised, at least right now, and, and, and impressed with the way institutions are embracing this and thinking about student well-being first and foremost. You, you would, um, we may be at a breaking point where institutions have to think about their own survival. But uh, for example, a student facing really serious challenges, housing, food, mental health, whatever it is, their likelihood of, of being able to make it and stay in school is low. And, and, and a uh, more, gosh, I don't want to say pragmatic, but a, a, a really stressed institution could just write them off and they don't appear to be doing that. And, and they're, they're spending money and the, the philanthropic community has been all over this. They're really concerned with the level of suffering that we're seeing. So that really has impressed me. I can't, I don't know how long that continues because uh, so many of these institutions, their budgets are gonna be underwater and states, state budgets are gonna be really stressed coming up and we'll probably see cuts. So I don't know how you continue that uh, without a fairly massive rescue package, which maybe we'll be looking at something like that in the new year. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously we've all been watching closely the, the fears materialize, frankly, of an exodus of vulnerable student populations in particular from community colleges and open access publics. But with that kind of looming second hit of the state and local budget cuts, one of the issues that I am hearing more and more about, and the strata data has shown this, is it's not just keeping on track and dealing with the now. It's what happens after college. Uh, you know, I, I spoke with the Morris twins about this a little bit for this episode, but what are you hearing and, and what are some of the, the general tools in the toolbox to help students think about the, the bridge to career when there's so much uncertainty about what jobs are going to be available or what the economy is going to be like? That's a really good, big question. And, and it is fascinating right now that Things are so tough, particularly for low-income people in America, that we're not seeing the typical pattern. A community college enrollment is really not up right now. And so I'm assuming this is a blip, but the crisis is so bad, people are, are just, it's almost the way, sorry about that, the uh, colleges are addressing the crisis too. They're just focused on the now and sort of staying afloat. I think that's where people are. There isn't, uh, my, my gut is there's just not as much of a, an, an eye towards the future at this moment. Adult focused programs, uh, really online for working adults who are, who are a little older, uh, many of those are still doing all right. And so that's a, a different sector of folks who are realizing, wow, the economy is changing as it always has been. In fact, right now, the other weird thing about the pandemic is it has pushed for more and faster automation. And, and that's going to be a big disruptor as well. So certainly some folks have the uh, ability and wherewithal right now to look forward, but many don't. To your other question earlier, you know, I, I realized I talked bigger picture, but really what are we doing? Uh, we're finding with most students, this is really about trauma-informed communication. If they are reaching out or we have some sense that they need more than than normal. This is really about asking, you know, what's important to you right now? Um, how is this affecting you? What would be the most helpful thing for us to focus on today? And then we are, we've done, a, we're doing a lot of uh, research campus community by community on the resources available. And then we're working to connect students with those resources that can be helpful to them. And then the key thing is that we're following up. 
And I think that's what is sometimes lacking is if there is a uh, mental health incident or anything with a student, it's kind of seen as a one-off, but really you have to take this case management approach and follow up with students. And I think that alone, along with helping folks realize that this is broad right now, a lot of people are feeling this way or having these challenges, can normalize that and get them into a place of action rather than despair and isolation. If you're an institution right now who wants to do more here and is resource challenged, can you just talk about the array of tools that are available? And I don't necessarily mean specifics, but you know, inside tracks in this space, but how much more is needed? How much more capacity is needed? Or, or are there a lot of tools that, you know, th- that there's a possibility that you could do more at scale, even with limited resources? I think so. And, and this is one of the biggest challenges facing higher ed that um, perhaps this moment of crisis can help with. Um, there isn't a lot of will to do things differently. Often folks feel, hey, this is my job and this is what I'm prepared to do and going to do. Um, we kind of need to break that down. I think right now I, I could suggest a bunch of things that cost money but I, I think that's that's probably not helpful. So I would say taking more of an all hands on deck approach of, of helping um, all student facing staff and faculty, not just student affairs, but everyone getting some training and being empowered to assist students. And we have to remember that those who need help the most often don't reach out. And so we've got to be proactive. And so just thinking in terms of, hey, we're going to do something different here. We're going to call all of our students and we're going to text and email them as well. <laughs> and we are going to think what, it, what is the, the positive message and how are we going to ask questions and give them access to us and give them access to support. I think that's critical. And what happens is in some cases you'll be uncovering areas of really deep, critical, immediate need. But also those can turn into uh, mentoring and advising conversations. And so it's not easy. I I know that many folks who work in higher ed are feeling isolated themselves, right? Or feeling a little bit of despair and probably low level or or real depression. But to to get into action um, is important. And I think uh, this is something colleges could definitely be doing more. I I tend to ask pretty high level nebulous questions here. And I've done that in this interview. I'm going to do one last one. Um, You know, you've talked a little bit about the possibility out there for really broad systemic change in higher ed. You know, how much do you think is on the table in the next year or so for, for really breaking the mold and for institutions doing things very differently, you know, even beyond the, the piece of advising and counseling? I am very worried that this current, you know, the, the fiscal crisis brought to institutions by the pandemic could reduce capacity in the next several years um, when we really need it. So on on the slightly positive side, it is such a disruption that it could uh, really create a window for change. And when we think about what we mean by that, I do think we have to look at the cost structure and everyone's always talking about the, the cost of higher ed and sus- economic sustainability of institutions, but also equity. You know, how can we just do a way better job at providing the resources and support that are going to create great outcomes across the board for all students? Um, I think that is probably central. And, and right now, 
the racial justice movement, I think, is going to be pushing that, and we got to kind of stay on that. The other pieces are really kind of at the basic core of, of a college education, whether it be uh, on distance or in person, which really making sure we are developing and, and supporting students who can think critically. That's a major issue right now uh, around polarization, the amount of disinformation uh, in our society. And so, gosh, just the basics of, of having folks who can think critically, who can communicate, who are really dedicated to being good citizens, that's really important. And I think we've learned this year that the, the value of residential education is great. And when it's gone, uh, or, or when it's not the same, you really miss it. And so we should, this should be a chance to define the components of that and make sure we accentuate the good ones. So there's this opportunity for redesign um, and, and improvement. I'm worried that many colleges are not going to make the tough choices uh, and will kind of get through this largely unchanged. Uh, but some could embrace this and, and, and get to be better. And I think there's, last thing I'll mention, I mean, there's, there's a number of components, but certainly this ability to flex and to do teaching and learning at a distance or in person, that's got to be part of the model. Okay, I appreciate you discussing these important, very complex topics in this medium. And, you know, uh, Inside Track, uh, I've learned a lot from over the years. You know, I remember meeting with some of your coaches in Nashville, I don't even know how many years ago, you know, it's it always appreciated the access and what I learned from what you all are hearing out there. Well, thanks very much for having me on. I look forward to, to talking further soon. Educators around the world rely on the trusted content and digital learning resources from Pearson to improve outcomes in face-to-face -face or hybrid learning environments. Visit Pearson for all your online teaching resources at go.pearson.com slash teaching online. That's a wrap for this episode. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next week. Hope you'll join me.